Good evening. Good to see you guys. It's kind of incredible for me. Lots of eyes looking at me right now. It's kind of cool. Merry Christmas to you and your families. We're so glad that you guys came here to join us here at Life Church to celebrate the meaning behind Christmas. We have honestly prayed a lot about tonight's service that you would find in your heart a sense of gratitude, awe, and wonder about Christ, the one that we're here to celebrate. Many of you probably already are talking to each other going, who's this guy? You know, and where's the bald-headed one named Chad? <laughs> I'm, I'm not going to lie, I, I had a sweater on earlier because I needed to up my sweater game, I felt like, to be up here. But Chad Ringer is our lead pastor, and he is here tonight. And like many of you, he's taking this time to be with his family and really celebrate the meaning of Christmas. And quite frankly, for a guy that's done every Christmas and Easter for the last decade, I think he deserves this one off. So it is an honor to me, yes. So it is an honor to me, it's a blessing to be able to be up here and do that for him. He is a man that's inspired me so much, inspired all of us. So wherever you're at, my friend, I hope you're enjoying this. Tonight, I would like to lead us through, drum roll please, the birth narrative of Christ. Funny enough, oh, thank you for the drum roll, I appreciate that. You guys were probably anticipating that. So, uh, you know, this narrative is just really familiar to us around this time of the year. So here in a few seconds, we're going to read through this. But here's what I want to caution you. Let's try to not, um, let's try to resist the urge to kind of tune this out because we're so familiar with it. Let's take time to really give this piece of scripture some weight and honor that it really deserves. So Luke 2, we'll put it up on the board and you guys can follow with me. In the, it's a long, okay, I'm going to read for a little bit, so get ready. In those days, a decree went out from Caesar Augustus that all the world should be registered. And this was the first registration when Quirinius was governor of Syria. And all went to be registered, each to his own town. And Joseph also went up from Galilee, from the town of Nazareth to Dejea, to the city of David, which is called Bethlehem, because he was in, of the house in the lineage of David to be registered with Mary, his betrothed, who was with child. And while they were there... The time came for her to give birth, and she gave birth to her firstborn son and wrapped him in swaddling cloths and laid him in a manger because there was no place for them in the inn. And in the same region there were shepherds out in the field, keeping watch over their flocks by night, and an angel of the Lord appeared to them, and the glory of the Lord shone all around them, and they were filled with great fear. And the angel of the Lord said to them, Fear not, for behold, I bring you good news of great joy that will be for all the people. For unto you is born this day in the city of David a Savior, who is Christ the Lord. And he will, bring, and he will be a sign for you. He will, you, will find him, you will find a baby wrapped in swaddling cloths, laying in a manger. And suddenly there was with the angel a multitude of heavenly hosts praising God and saying, Glory to God in the highest and, earth, and on earth peace among those whom he is pleased. When the angels went away from the, into heaven, the shepherds said to one another, Let us go over to Bethlehem and see this thing that has happened, which the Lord has made known to us. And they went with haste and found Mary and Joseph and the baby laying in the manger. And when they saw it, they, were, they made known the sayings that had been told to them concerning this child. And all who heard it wondered at the, what the shepherds told them. But Mary treasured up all these things, pondering them in her heart. And the shepherds returned, glorifying and praising God for all they had heard and seen as it has been told to them. Would you pray with me? Father, tonight we just, we ask that you would just set aside the distractions of our schedule 
things to get, places to be, and that for the next few moments, Father, that you would give us clear minds, that you would just allow a few minutes for us to reflect on you, who you are, what you mean to us. And Father, would you just be with my words? Use them to bring honor to your name. Would you help us to have ears to hear and hearts to form as we go forth this evening? We ask this in the name of Jesus Christ, our Lord. Amen. Amen. So I'm not on Facebook a ton, but like I was scrolling, maybe trolling. It's kind of two different things, but I was probably doing a little bit of both. And I started to notice a trend, and maybe you noticed that too at the beginning of December. You start to see those fun family Christmas cards. They're pretty special. And those well wishes for Christmas. And then if you're lucky, you'll see what I like to call the white whale of Christmas on Facebook. And that's pictures of kids with Santa Claus. Now, I have never understood for the life of me why this was a good thing for us parents to do. And I'm just going to be really honest with you. This is coming from a man that had a significant fear of Santa Claus growing up. Okay? <laughs> Am I the only one in this room that had issue with a strange old man with a beard being in my house while I was sleeping? Is it just me? Okay, I can stop if it's just me. And not only that, he was there. Okay? And no offense to old guys with beards in here. Sorry about that. And not only that he was there, but we made him milk and cookies, and now he's lingering in our house. And least I remind you that this is a man that I was told was watching me the entire year, determining whether I was naughty or nice. And we're completely okay with this? And I had issues with this, so full disclosure on my Santa issues. Probably should be in some counseling about that. But what I don't want to come up here and do is knock your holiday traditions of Santa pictures. But at what point are we going to realize that maybe our kids aren't getting the same kind of enjoyment out of this as we are? And you may say, well, Steve, how do you know my kids aren't getting the enjoyment out of this? Well, because pictures like these start to roll into my Facebook feed. Look at that. There's nobody in that picture that's having a good time. Look at Santa Claus. Try to write a caption for what's going on in his mind. Okay? But it's just not my friend. This is Reese and Ellis. They're, they're children of dear friends and I, of Mickey, Nikki and I. Oh, yes. If you would do a Google search, you would find gems like these. That is a red-headed trifecta of Christmas. That baby's scarred. And I can't, even, I can't even look at this last one. I can't even look. You guys can look. I'm going to have nightmares if I come home and I look at that for a little while. I'm just not going to do it. But here's the deal. At some point every year, we forget about this. And every year we do, we get this sick sort of Christmas amnesia. And we're like, hey, honey, you know what we should do? We should get the kids together and take pictures with Santa Claus. And you're like, oh, that's a great idea. And you know how I know that's true? Because here's Ellis and Reese last year. Okay? <laughs> Crazy. Is there anything wrong with taking pictures with Santa Claus? No. You know, they're quite hilarious and they have their proper place, but... We should be careful about elevating things this kind, in this kind of manner in this season that at the end of the day don't matter at all because Santa and presents and food are very nice things. How we value them is at its most basic form a desire that either comes out of a heart that treasures and ponders Christ or a mind that wonders briefly and forget, a mind that would say, you know, I probably should do more about this Jesus guy in my life. Probably should do something about that. I should pray. Did we say eggnog? Okay, we got eggnog now. Short, temporary stuff. So this is what we're going to talk about today. I would like to just break down the differences between these two responses, these two 
realities. And so over the past month, I have read this narrative in Luke 2 on a numerous amount of times. As I read through it, something happened that uh, happens every once in a while. Something popped out to me that I had never noticed in this story before. And this is the most fascinating thing about Scripture to me, that we can read these stories over and over and over again, but at the moment that God sees fit for it in our lives, He gives us sight to see and understand and notice things that we never knew that were, that were there before. And this is what happens to me. I noticed this in, in verses 17 through 19, and this is what it said. It says, And while they saw it, they made known the sayings that had been told to them concerning this child. And all who heard it wondered at what the shepherds told them. But Mary treasured up all these things, pondering them in her heart. So what popped out to me in this was that this is a comparative statement. There's two different responses to the good news that's being made known by these shepherds. And we know this because there's a conjunction here. The word but sits right between all the people and Mary. If we read it, it says, And all who heard it wondered at what the shepherds told them, but Mary treasured up all these things, pondering them in her heart. If we were going to take this back into its original language in the Greek, it would translate into like, but on the other hand. So there are two responses here. So we need to know what those two responses are. One response was the people who heard it and wondered. The first group is a response that indicates that there was a short, a momentary thought about these things, but nothing deeper. Wonder is a mental thing. It exists in our mind, and it lacks depth. John Henry, who is an incredible commentary writer, writes a commentary on this verse and says this, They wondered, but never inquired any further about the Savior, their duty to Him, or advantages by Him. But let the thing drop as a nine days wonder. Now, a nine days wonder means simply someone or something that creates a short-lived sensation. There's wonder, there's speculation, there's thought about these things, but there's no belief. And belief is what separates these two responses because the other response was Mary. And Mary responded in a way that she treasured and pondered it. So the question is, why did Mary treasure and ponder it? Well, because Mary's been privileged to some pretty special knowledge about this child for, I'd say, about the last nine months. That when the angel of the Lord came to her and said that she was going to bear God's own son, she said, Behold, I am a servant of the Lord. Let it be. Mary knows that this baby is important and will do for her people a great work. She believes in her heart that Jesus is not only her son, but absolutely what mankind needs. And this is what allows her to treasure up all of these things that are being foretold about her son, that he is the Christ, that he is the good news of great joy for all the people. And it's interesting to notice where Mary ponders and treasures these things. It was in her heart. And it's important that we take note of that. Because this is the same reality for us. It is the same issue that separates us and our response to Jesus today. It's what makes some of us respond to the season with gratitude and awe and others of us to respond with short-lived wonder and apathy. Do you believe? Not in your mind, but in your heart. Because believing in here and believing in here are two way different things. When we believe in here, it just becomes something else that we have to remember. It goes into the same camp as volleyball practices and mom's sugar cream, sugar cream pie recipe. They're easy to forget, but when we believe it in here, it's because we know that we need it. 
It is directly tied to your understanding of whether you need it or not. And this is the essence of belief. Do you know that you need it? Tonight, there are many of you in this room that have a deep, deep affinity for the gospel of Christ, a deep belief for what it has done for your life. You know why you're here. You've come to celebrate this child. And we have prayed that you would find room here to worship and to adore him. But there are also many of you in this room who don't follow Jesus. You don't believe in him, and you're okay with that. And I just want you to hear me to say tonight, you're completely welcome here. And there are many of you in this room who have been wounded by the church, wounded by followers of Jesus. And I just want you to hear me say from the depths of my heart that I'm sorry that we fell short of showing you the kind of grace, love, and compassion that we've been showed countless times in our life. And maybe the more concerning group that's in here tonight of those who claim to be Christians and don't get it that you believe in here but not in here, that at the end of the day that God's a good thing and we should do things for him, but there's no actual belief that we are the ones at the end of the day that we trust the most and we are the ones that we think are going to fix the problems with our broken hearts. Maybe we should read the wise words of Jeremiah in Jeremiah 17 when he says, the heart is deceitful above all things and desperately sick. Who can understand it? But we deceive ourselves into thinking we can, right? That if I just worked harder, if I just tried hard enough, if I did it this way, or if this guy would just stop doing this, just a huge hamster wheel of stupidity. And I have been in that wheel for far too long in my life. It is exhausting. It is absolutely exhausting. The reality that we've put ourselves is we just created ourselves as our own God, and we are the object of our worship, and we just give lip service to Jesus. Listen, I fully know tonight on this stage that I am not capable of changing anyone's heart in here. I can't do it. I'm not that good. And you're saying, amen. I'm just not that good. That is the work of God. But what I can do is let you know this. Wherever you're at in that, wherever you sit in there, you're welcome here. You're welcome to ponder. You're welcome to question. You're welcome to worship. You don't have to be perfect. You don't even have to be anything. But none of what I will say to you tonight will mean anything to you if you don't believe that you need this. All this season will ever be to you is fun and tradition. And you will concern yourself with winning the holidays, as Best Buy likes to put it. It will be short-lived wonder and then life as normal. And maybe you're okay with that. But my passion in life is to tell you that there is so much more than that. Do you know that you need the very same thing that Mary is treasuring? Do you know that you need Christ, not because he's some magical leprechaun that will give you whatever you want, because he's the only one that will satisfy our souls. He's the only one that will deal with our sin. He's the only one that will deal with our brokenness. And I think all of us in this room could identify really quickly that something seems off, not just in this world, but in our lives, if we're most honest. If what the shepherds are saying is true, if God revealed himself as a baby on that day in Bethlehem, then the implications it has for our life is not something to be wondered and forgot. Its meanings should be treasured and pondered because we know that we need them. Because if true, what the baby in the manger means for us is absolutely extraordinary. That the very God of the universe that created everything that we see, touch, hear, feel, came to earth as a baby. Now, he could have came with great splendor, riding on clouds with lightning bolts shooting out his back, with legions of angels flanking him. But he chose to come as a precious baby 
that represents new life for us. And in this form of a baby, God chooses to say, I choose to walk with you in your own shoes. I choose to experience the same things that you experience. I choose to be tempted the way that you're tempted. I choose to grieve with you. I choose to care for you. Listen to the words of Paul when he writes this in Philippians 2. He says, Who though, who though was in form of God, did not count equality with God a thing to be grasped, but emptied himself by taking the form of a servant, being born in the likeness of men, and being found in human form, he humbled himself by becoming obedient to the point of death, even death on the cross. You know in your life that somebody really loves and cares for you if they're willing to step into your mess, to sit with you in that mess, and then to walk you out of that mess together. That is what the baby in the manger means for us. How great of a love that our Father has for us, that he would come in the form of a baby. The baby in the manger means that God in his love, in his mercy, in his compassion, sent a rescue mission for his people. Jesus is our rescuer. He is our savior. He came to restore and fix a problem that you and I can't. That being our sin. And you're like, great, a Christmas message on Steve, or sin. Thanks, Steve. Merry Christmas. The Bible would clearly tell us that we've all sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. And why do we sin? It's because we're broken. It is our nature. We are prone to sin. We are sinners. And it stems back all the way to Adam and Eve in the garden. And God has to do something with our sin. All sin has a punishment, and that punishment is eternal death. The baby in the manger is there to do for us what we can't, namely fix ourselves. He was born to live a perfect life. He was born to have all the wrath that God had against mankind in our sin poured out onto him. He was born to be crushed for that sin. He was born to die. He was born to be raised from death. He was born to give hope to the hopeless. He was born to give life to the death, the dead. This is what the baby in the manger means for us because we will never be good enough for God. It will not be about earning it through climbing the ladders of accolades in our lives. It will not be about earning it through finding some sort of enlightenment in our life. It won't be earned by you and I becoming the best person that we possibly can. It will be found when we recognize our depravity and our brokenness and we turn to God and accept the free gift of his sons and in it find the redemption for our souls and the satisfaction of life. That is what the baby in the manger means for us. The baby in the manger ends humankind's search for significance and acceptance and worthiness in our lives because even if you don't believe that Christ is real, you cannot deny that everyone in this room is searching for significance, worth, and acceptance. It's true of everyone that's in here, and it's true of me. No one escapes this. And what we do in our human efforts is try to transcend this need. We try to fill this void, whether it's relationships, it's sex, drugs, pornography, success, money, fame, material stuff. The list could go on and on and on. We all know the battle to find significance, the battle to find the sacred in our life. We know the battle to find meaning. So if this is true of everyone in this room, would you for a second consider that it might not be there because of an accident? That there actually might be more to it than you know? That maybe it's there because you and I aren't whole? That mankind once had perfect relationship with God? That every single need that we ever had was completely satisfied and fulfilled in that relationship. 
but one act of disobedience tragically broke everything. And we still feel that brokenness in our hearts today. And this is why I need him. This is why I need him. Because I'm broke. Because in life I have tried to find and climb the ladder of success and acceptance and worth. I have tried to find within other people to make me feel acceptable, worthy. I have looked into things to find my worth and acceptance in, all of which were empty and left me worse off than when I started. My sin and my brokenness always got the best of me. It chased me down, and I am thankful that God has given me the eyes to see that. The baby in the manger means that God is our greatest treasure, and he is worth pondering. You see, the things that we believe in the most are the things that we treasure. They are the things that we ponder. And we see this in Mary, that in the midst of the birth of our Savior, she took time to pause and notice all the things around her. And it's in this quiet dignity, it's in this stillness that seems to be present around the birth of Christ, that true love came down graciously in the form of a baby. That love came down, and it feels like for just a moment, the whole earth stood still and noticed. And here's the crazy thing. We still feel that stillness today. That an event that took some place some 2,000 plus years ago still naturally causes around it pondering and stillness. Because there is something about Christmas that even in the midst of its busyness causes us to cause or take pause in our life, causes us to slow down, causes us to reflect. The birth of Christ still echoes with us today. It's amazing. And whether you know it or not, it's the reason you're here tonight. So tonight, friends, we have tried in earnest to create a moment of pause for you in your life, a pause that is so deservedly needed around this time, a time Pause and ponder this question. Do you know that you need him? Do you know that you need this child? Do you believe that? Or is Jesus just something to wonder at? Let's pray. Father, you have been way too good to us. And we admit that we make this more about ourselves than about you most of the time. So tonight, uh, we just want to give you the praise that you deserve. That you are who you are, that you did what you did, that you came the way that you came, that you did for us something that we can't. And would you remind our hearts of our need for you tonight and throughout this season that it might propel us into wondering and treasuring you in our lives. Father, we thank you for tonight. We thank you for your faithfulness, and we pray all of this in the name of Jesus who did for us what we can't. Amen. In a second, we're going to play a short video, and after that, we're going to sing some songs and light some candles. I would just ask that you would use this time to ponder and reflect. Resist the urge to converse with the people around you and take a pause. And if during that time, God would push in you a desire, an understanding that you really do need him, or that you need to reprioritize the treasures in your heart. We just would invite you to join us on this side of the stage, on the left side here, and we'd love to just pray for you and listen to you. 
You know, this past few weeks, I've just prayed that God would use me like these shepherds, that I would boldly proclaim the good news of great joy for all the people, and that God would use it for hearts to hear, and that they would treasure and ponder it. So I can't think of any better way to conclude this than to hear those beautiful words of the shepherds once again. Lights, please. And there were in the same country shepherds, abiding in the field, keeping watch over their flock by night. And lo, the angel of the Lord came upon them, and the glory of the Lord shone round about them. And they were sore afraid. And the angel said unto them, Fear not, for behold, I bring you tidings of great joy, which shall be to all people. For unto you is born this day in the city of David a Savior. Is Christ the Lord. And this shall be a sign unto you. You shall find the babe wrapped in swaddling clothes, lying in a manger. And suddenly there was with the angel a multitude of the heavenly host praising God, and saying, Glory to God in the highest, and on earth peace, goodwill toward men. A teenage girl and her soon-to-be a simple trip far as they could see The sky was clear and the hour serene But did they know what the night would bring? Lonely hearts strung across the land They've been waiting long for a healing hand My heart was there and I felt the chill When love came down and the earth stood still When love came down and the earth stood still Shepherds stood under stormy skies Tasting grace that would change their lives The angels trembled and the demons did too For they knew very well what pure grace would do Hope of the world in a baby boy I remember him well like I was there that night My heart was there and I felt the chill When love came down and the earth stood still When love came down and the earth stood still Love came down and the earth stood still oh, 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 oh. 
Thanks for being here tonight. Um, we just enjoy your company. And if you're here tonight and God you know, moved in some way in your life and you need to talk about that, there's no better time to do that than tonight. Have a Merry Christmas. It's good to see you. Take care. <laughs>